Hi everybody, this is Paige and Luke. And we're here with our cover to cover podcast. For the month of September, we read the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. I actually managed to finish all five books, but Luke over here, he only read the first one, which yeah. is The Lightning Thief. Just the first one. So today I thought I thought I would spoil it for him and like go over the whole overarching plot of all five books and then actually finish the fifth book and I just I couldn't do that to him. I need him to finish it. So <laughs> Uh, today we're just really going to focus on the first book, The Lightning Thief. Um, but yeah, so, sorry this is so late going up. We had a busy September. Uh (laughs) But I'll start off talking a little bit about Rick Riordan. So, Rick Riordan has his own website and it's really cute. He has a lot of information about himself if you were doing a school report and I thought that was just adorable and since we're basically doing like a glorified book report Mm -hmm. it was actually very helpful so thank you Rick Riordan if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) um he is a number one New York Times bestselling author for young readers specifically he's written lots and lots of books um, the, the ones we're going over are the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, but he's also written the Heroes of Olympus series, the Kane Chronicles, the Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, the 39 Clues, the Trials of Apollo, and I can't say this, it's like Trey's Navar. <laughs> Something. Trey's Navar. It's an A-V-A-R-R-E. I have no idea. But that's, um an adult mystery series, which I had no idea he wrote adult books, so I might pick one of those up, because I love an adult mystery. Um, He was born in San Antonio, Texas on June 5th, 1964. He's the same age as my dad, 55. Um, He has specific time blocks of his life, like his childhood, his education, and so starting off with his childhood, he said he loved reading from an early age, specifically Lord of the Rings, um, which is very like Uh Luke over here. He (laughs) loved Lord of the Rings. I think I read the first one in like fifth grade. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) I can't relate. Um, He said he also really liked reading, like, Greek and Norse mythology, and then he got into fantasy and sci-fi in high school and more into mystery novels once he was in college. And he grew up in an artistic family. His mom was a musician, and his dad was a, I can't say this word either, a ceramicist. Uh (laughs) He, he like, did ceramics, which is so funny because I hate ceramics. I'm really bad at it. I didn't know that was like a career someone could do, but good for him. Um, he said he began writing in middle school, but his and he tried to publish a lot of short stories back then, but he was unfortunately rejected, like we all are back then. Um, and but his first published works were two short stories in the UTSA Literary Magazine. I don't know what that is, but good for him. Yeah. Uh, for his education, he had a lot of, um, high school stories in his little bio on his website, uh, probably because it's intended for, like, younger readers to, like, be, you know, relatable, (laughs) but he attended, how do you say that? He attended Alamo Alamo Heights High School in San Antonio, and he talked about, about his high school experiences. He was the 
editor for a school newspaper and he also got in trouble for publishing an underground school newspaper that basically just trashed the football team and apparently that got him in trouble with the football team and his car got egged or something which is pretty dramatic (laughs) but he originally studied at north texas state university but ended up transferring to the university of texas austin and there he double majored in english and history and got certified to be a teacher and he has his work experience. I basically have his whole resume here. <laughs> um, he worked at a summer camp called Camp Capers when he was in college. And this, he wrote, is where he got his inspiration for Camp Half-Blood. Um, and he taught English and history after his got his teaching certification. And he taught those subjects to middle schoolers for 15 years and then stopped teaching to become a full-time writer. And that's pretty impressive because middle schoolers are like the worst people. (laughs) And to teach them for 15 years is like, that's that's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, He has a ton of awards listed on his Wikipedia page. I'm not going to go over them all, but I think there was like 13 total or something. And so, basically, a lot of people love his books. Like, the literary merit of his work is definitely not something that people are debating. Like, the general consensus is that Rohirrodin is a very good writer. Um, So, I'm going to hand it over to Luke. (laughs) I'm going to go over a spoiler-free plot summary. And then, after I finish that, I'll talk about some of the more spoilery happenings uh, in the book. Um, So to start off, uh, 12-year-old Percy Jackson finds out that after he is nearly eaten by his math teacher, that he is a half-blood, someone who is half-mortal, half-god. This news becomes even more shocking when he realizes that he's the son of Poseidon, one of the three three most powerful sons of Kronos. As exciting as his newly discovered water-related powers are, which I thought were like, so if he's submerged in water, then he's good, but like if he just drinks water, it's not the same. Don't be too picky there. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that was something I was wondering about. Anyway, he realizes that being the son of a Greek god isn't all that it's cracked up to be. A mysterious prophecy predicts a not-so-bright future for this half-blood. Once he turns 16, Percy must make an impossible choice that will decide the fate of both the mortal and divine worlds. Dun, dun, dun. Uh (laughs) You can do that part. (laughs) So... Sort of the most notable... So I'm going to go into the spoilers now. Um, Spoiler warning. Yeah, so you can skip ahead. Or just leave. I don't, I'm not sure when we'll not talk about the spoilers before our reviews. But anyway, yeah, just skip ahead or leave. <laughs> yeah. So um, as mentioned, he nearly gets eaten by his math teacher. I really thought this was funny because uh, in middle school and high school, I hated math. My math teachers were absolute villains to me. As nice as, like, even if they were Aww. good people, they were just the worst because I hated the subject so much. So I really thought that that was, that was pretty funny. I loved um, math. <laughs> I hated it. I was, I, it was so confusing. But Aww. so, uh, and then after this, he sort of, you know, things are making sense. Uh, he finds out that this satyr named Grover has been uh, following him around, going to school with him. Is the disguise as this like crippled kid in a wheelchair. Not in a um, wheelchair. He's not in a wheelchair? No. He just has like a limp. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's covering up his legs basically because mm-hmm. uh, With... a satyr is like a half man, half goat. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know where I got the wheelchair thing from, but anyway. Oh, from Chiron. Oh. The camp director. Oh, yeah, He's that's a centaur. Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so these, these two, Chiron is his mythology teacher, um, who, is, who is the wheelchair guy. Yeah. And, and Grover's just got a limp. Uh, so after, after this happens, everything sort of comes to light, and his mom is forced to tell her son the truth about his father, that he is actually the god of the sea, Poseidon. Although she doesn't tell him specifically Poseidon, just that he's uh, oh, yeah, a demigod. Oh, yeah, she doesn't tell him that. Yeah. Sorry, I wrote this summary, like, well, really late at night. Oh. <laughs> it's a little okay. out of it. Um, so, unfortunately, this truth bomb puts Percy in grave danger, and they have to rush to Camp Half-Blood, because uh, now that he knows or he is sort of exposed, all these monsters are going to start coming for him. Uh, and Camp Half-Blood is the only safe haven from monsters for people like Percy, or just other demigods. Um, on the way, however, they get attacked by the Minotaur, uh, which is a half-bull, half-person, uh, bad guy. <laughs> likes, <laughs> likes the virgins. According to the myth. Um, <laughs> Not in this one. Yeah. I think that's what he's like fed in the labyrinth or something. Yeah, in the story. all the virgins. Yeah. Um, one thing about this book, it's definitely Greek mythology light, and it's like the fun parts of the story, yeah, and not the not abductions and the rape rapes and, and eating virgins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so this this monster seems to kill Percy's mom. Uh, she like kind of explodes in this like golden shower of light, um, and this is kind of Percy's main motivation uh, for for his actions throughout the story. Is mm. At least the first book. Yeah, trying to get his mom back uh, while doing all this other stuff. Um, while at camp, he uh, befriends some interesting people. Uh, most notable, uh, Annabeth, who's the daughter of Athena. Grover, he already met, but he kind of realizes who he is at Camp Half-Blood, and they become a lot closer. Best friends. Yeah. Uh, Grover, the satyr's role is to be like guardians for the demigods mm -hmm. um, and, and keep them safe and guide them to Camp Half-Blood. That's kind of their purpose, and Grover is kind of like a level, lovable screw-up um, yeah. <laughs> uh, who, who gets a redemption arc, you know. Uh, and then there's Luke, who's the son of Hermes. Uh, Percy really likes Luke. He's like this really cool... Older. Yeah, older, kind of like surfer boy personality. Yeah, like he's like 17, Percy's 12, yeah. and Percy's like, wow, you're so neat. Uh -huh. And he's really good with the sword, and so, you know, he's just, mm. you know, he's your very classic cool guy. Yeah. Uh, and then Clarice, uh, who's a daughter of Ares, and she's like, she's basically just the, like, camp bully. Well, The whole okay. cabin of Ares are. So uh, Clarice isn't, like, the most notable character in this book, but I wrote mm -hmm. her name down because she becomes, like more notable as the series goes on i think in the next book she's like a really big character mm -hmm. and i love a mean girl so i really <laughs> love Cl clarice uh -huh. but yeah she's a daughter of aries <laughs> yeah um and then meanwhile in the world of the greek gods while this is going on uh zeus's power source for his lightning gets stolen uh it's like this mythical bolt um is like super it's described as like a super nuke, basically, a few times. Mm -hmm. It's really like awe-inspiring weapon. Um, so this leads to a lot of political conflict and distrust among the gods, and more notably his brothers, Poseidon and Hades. Uh, he mainly blames Poseidon and assumes that Poseidon used Percy to steal it so that he could become even more powerful than he already is. Um, I think that's because like Percy was so well hidden for so long mm -hmm. uh, and masked up, and then when he... like. When he's sort of exposed, all of a sudden, like, 
the bolt is gone. There's all this weird, like weird stuff that's lining up. So Percy yeah. seems the most likely suspect. Zeus thinks something sketchy is going on, uh-huh. <laughs> and that Poseidon had been hiding him on purpose. Yeah, for so long. Um, because yeah, there's like a treaty where the three main gods can't have kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was made back in World War Two because. There were some Nazis that were the son of Hades or something, and they nearly uh-huh. destroyed the world. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, we're not going to have any more kids because mm-hmm. it's just too dangerous. Yeah. But then uh, Poseidon doesn't listen, and also yeah. Zeus doesn't listen. Yeah, <laughs> Zeus isn't, like, innocent here either. He has a daughter who gets turned, turned into, into a, a tree. tree. Though that's not really important in yeah, this it's story. Yeah, not, it's not that important. But it's, like, Grover's big screw-up, his big... Uh, character flaw kind of uh, is that he couldn't save this this summary is all girl. over the place yeah <laughs> there, there's a lot going on but anyway so percy who is 12 is hated by all these greek gods for a crime that he did not commit um and an attempt to stop a war from breaking out because of this percy and two of his new friends from camp annabeth and grover decide to go on a quest to retrieve zeus's lightning bolt um they don't so much decide as they're like not really given a choice or Annabeth and Grover are. Percy, it's like, if you don't, you'll die. Yeah. Um, but so Percy's really happy to have the company and they, they'll become very good friends. Uh, everyone at camp assumes that Hades had taken it. Had taken it. Uh, so our golden trio must travel to the underworld, which is in Los Angeles. Um, they're in New York. I think I forgot to say that part. Yeah, the camp is located in upstate New York. And also mm-hmm. Mount Olympus is on the, not in Mount Olympus. Yeah. It's uh over the what's it called? Oh man, I don't remember. The um, the Empire State Building. Yeah. Okay. Let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mount Olympus is located on the top of the Empire State Building in New York City because uh, the Greek world moves with Western civilization, and so like the shining beacon of Western civilization apparently is New York City, and so that's where they are. Yeah. Um. And then, so they have to go to the underworld, which is under Los Angeles, and convince Hades to give back the lightning bolt. Uh, although the main reason why Percy wants to go to rescue is it, to go is to rescue his mom's spirit. Uh, a lot of wacky adventures <laughs> happen on the way to LA from their camp, which is located. Uh, we just I could have waited um, in New York. Uh, this is very similar to the Odyssey. Uh, there's lots of like sidetracking, and we have got to get from A to B, but there's all this crazy stuff in the middle. Um, the most notable things that happen along the way is they meet and defeat Medusa. Um, there's a lot of like little things that happen, but these are the most notable. And then they yeah. go to this, like in Vegas, this Lotus Hotel and Casino, um, which is, and then they're sort of entranced and there's like a time skip. Um, but this casino, from what I understand, is really important later on, so it's worth noting. In the series. Luke didn't like that part, but uh-huh. um, basically it's like they go to this casino and it kind of hypnotizes them and seduces them and they want to just stay there forever. And then Percy's the first to kind of get out of that trance and he has to grab Annabeth and Grover and they get out of there and they realize it's been like five days, even mm-hmm. though it only felt like a few hours. Yeah. So that, that part becomes more important later on in the story, but... Yeah, so that's, like, one of their last stops before Mm -hmm. L.A. Yeah. And then L.A., they go down to the underworld and meet Hades uh, and find out that he didn't take the lightning bolt and he's as suspicious as anyone else. And also his 
helm of darkness is that what it's called is yeah. missing too like his symbol of power so uh -huh. this helmet is to uh hades what the lightning bolt is to zeus yeah uh, it lets him sort of mask himself and travel wherever he wants unseen uh and he can like i think it like inspires a sense of unease and dread in people he's near mm. um which is how uh people in the greek world can tell he's kind of around but i think he can hide himself pretty well uh, and then Percy finds out that Hades has his mom as a hostage to try and uh, get this lightning bolt back. Uh, or not back, but take it for himself, because now he's really suspicious and he thinks everyone's against him. Um, but Percy, Hades can sense it, the lightning bolt, which is in Percy's backpack. And this happens after they meet Ares. Um, and so Percy kind of feels that he's been set up. Um, and they have to escape the underworld before Hades can take the lightning bolt and make any irreparable uh, damage and, and cause a full-on war to break out. Um, but in the end, after this is sort of like the climactic part, they return the lightning bolt to Zeus back at Mount Olympus. And then um, Percy gets his mom back. Uh, but he goes back to Camp Half-Blood. I can't 100% remember which order this happens in. But uh, he gets his mom back, he goes to Camp Half-Blood, and then he finds out that Luke was the grand traitor the whole time. Um, uh. And Luke gives this long, like, villain monologue about why he took it and set Percy up, because uh, he's in service of the Lord Titan, Kronos, uh, who is trying to cause a war among the gods, so that he can take advantage of the chaos and rise back to power. Um, and this sets up the plot for the rest of the stories. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a scatterbrained um, plot summary of of the first book. Yes. Um, a lot does happen in the book that is kind of hard to summarize it completely because it is kind of like this odyssey sort of journey. And I saw like a lot of people, not a lot of people, but the people who didn't really like this book critiquing it in that way. They felt like Ryorden put too much in there. And... I don't disagree with that, but it's very um, similar to stories like the Odyssey or the Iliad where things just keep happening randomly to this group of heroes and they're just kind of being thrusted in all these different directions trying to get to their main goal. And that's basically what happens to Percy and his two friends. Um, but I think The Lightning Thief specifically was a really fun book to read. Like, I feel like that's the best word to describe it. Like, it was fun, it made me laugh, it made me smile, and it made me happy. And I read it very quickly. I think me and Luke both listened to the audiobook for the first one. It's on YouTube in case you want to listen to it. <laughs> um, and the narrator did a really good job. But it was just, it was such a fun book to read. The only thing is, like, I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't read it when I was 12 or 13, you know, like I'm 23 and I felt like I couldn't, there was something like almost juvenile about the book that I just like couldn't relate to. But I feel like if I was 12 or 13, I would have adored this book and I would have loved Percy, loved the story, but yeah, I'm just an old lady now apparently. <laughs> um, but I, I think I related more to the later books, but we're not talking about those. <laughs> but um, I think another good way to describe this book is 
kind of average. <laughs> like it was really fun, but it was kind of like your average adventure story. Like you have your cute little likable group of heroes mm -hmm. and they go on and they face <clears throat> lots of villains and that's kind of all that happened. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was really creative at some parts. Other parts felt a little too similar to Harry Potter, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, but maybe he was, like, inspired by Harry Potter. But I don't know. It was it was cute. It was a cute little story. Mm -hmm. I think, like, my biggest critique of it would be that, like, okay, so this is kind of nitpicky, but, like, I feel like this is, um, sim like, okay, wait, <laughs> what am I saying? A lot of books uh, from the early 2000s kind of portray the bad characters um, as like fat and ugly and unhygienic and these people tend to be the bullies in the group. Like if even reading Harry Potter, um, J.K. Rowling does this all the time, like everyone in Slytherin is automatically uh -huh. just hideous. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, when did that happen? Yeah, like Malfoy is really slimy and then he's got his two cronies that are just like yeah. these big, like... Or like Dudley um, is yeah. like super fat and... Yeah, just the Dursleys. Weird, but yeah, he's the bully to Harry who's mm -hmm. like this normal looking kid. I just... I feel like people who are not conventionally attractive, people who are like fat and ugly and don't know how to shower yet or whatever, tend to be more the victims of bullying rather than the perpetrators. And the people who are beautiful and kind of more conventionally what you should look like, especially when you're 12, are more the um, perpetrators of bullying. Mm -hmm. um, that's such a nitpicky thing to point out, but it is something that bothered me because Clarice was the schoolyard bully and she was described as like fat and ugly and gross. And I know this is from Percy's point of view, but it's like, uh, wouldn't she be the victim? Uh -huh. <laughs> like when, if you're 12 years old and you're a girl and you're fat and ugly and gross, usually like you get picked on. Yeah. Not like <laughs> to be mm. offensive. <laughs> But I just, that's something that really bothers me. And I know that nowadays uh, books aren't really describing bullies like it's that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is just like something that didn't age very well in books that were published in like the late 90s, early 2000s. But um, other than that, I just really liked it. I loved our three main characters. I loved Grover. He was uh -huh. just so sweet <laughs> and just awkward. And he just wanted the wild to be free. <laughs> I just love that. I loved Annabeth. She was so sassy. I don't know if it really talks about it in this book, but I love. she's like super into architecture. Yeah, it mentions that a little bit. Yeah. Like the children of Athena have a need to like build monuments. Yeah, I... She talks about it a little bit, and she wants to build something that'll like change the skyline. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that, because I don't think I've ever read a book about a character wanting to become an architect. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was so interesting, and I don't know, I thought she was really cute, and I loved Percy. He was just kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually watched the movie a few days ago, which I'd never seen, the Percy Jackson movie, and it was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't recommend. <laughs> they changed the story a lot, and they super age up the characters, and it's just awkward looking. Mm -hmm. um, even though I love Logan Lerman, but everyone else, it was just weird. <laughs> uh, 
but what did you think, Luke? <laughs> um, so I'll I'll start with the the things I didn't really like about it. Uh, so to end on a positive note. Um, <laughs> but kind of like what you said, I felt like it was a very sort of your cut and dry adventure story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very like very generic. You know, you have a call to action, and it's not. It's you know his his parent dies and he has to go wants to get her soul back right and yeah. then um, he's training he's training and then he's suddenly on a quest and then you know they go through that and then he like they have their pause, their one downtime moment and Percy's like oh it's all my fault and they're like no it was never your fault you know <laughs> that that thing is in so many that conversation is in so yeah. many different movies and books I'm just a little tired of it you know? I mean but this is also like kind of the early like like we have to keep in mind this was published a long time ago so maybe this like started some trends that Uh, made him into tropes yeah that's true (laughs) um but you know i'm pretty over that whole thing yeah uh you know a a good adventure story has every everyone has those things in common Mm -hmm. um this one just didn't feel like any different if that makes sense yeah plot wise um I didn't really like the the Luke betrayal again. The whole villain monologue, which is such a cliche, cliche like stereotype. It's made fun of a lot. I like. I totally saw that coming as soon as Uh I like as Luke gives Percy these shoes that have like little wings on them, Mm -hmm. and I knew the second he did that, I was like, Luke's gonna betray them. I I, like could totally see it Uh because they they talked about like how Percy should never go in the sky. Yeah, uh, because that's Zeus's domain, and Zeus is so angry. Um, so it was like, hopefully Percy would like slip up and put the shoes on anyway. Um, I didn't really like the casino thing as you talked about. I just felt like it was a very convenient time skip to the end. I just thought um, that was like so creative though. I thought, uh-huh. I, w- I don't know. I was like, wow, a hotel that like hypnotizes you and like keeps you the mm-hmm. same for multiple years. Cause he met someone who was from like a kid from the seventies mm-hmm. and I was I don't know. I just thought it was really creative and yeah. that that part scared me. Really? I think it would scare me if I was a little kid, just like being hypnotized into this hotel and getting trapped there without realizing that you're trapped. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I liked that part. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the in the audio book, uh, maybe it'd like feel a bit different if I was, I'd physically read it. Mm-hmm. But in the audio book, like listening to it, they're like they go to this hotel and that's like where they're gonna stay, and then. All of a, it, it felt maybe I wasn't like 100% paying attention, um, like kind of when you feel like you skipped a chapter while you're reading, yeah. you just weren't like digesting the words. Um, like Percy just all of a sudden comes to, and then he's like, "Oh, we've been here for five days. Like we have to. It's the summer solstice tomorrow. We have to finish our quest." Uh, and it just to me it felt like a time skip, but maybe I missed some stuff. Um, maybe listening to it. Maybe you. Pay, pay better attention Maybe. when you're listening. Maybe I just don't like that <laughs> in stories, the, the time skip thing. Um, yeah, those those are my only... It sounds like a lot of cons that I didn't like, but I really didn't like the book. Uh, for me, I gave it a, a four. I'll skip to that real quick. Um, but for me, it was a very enjoyable story. It was really fun. All the characters, there's a, like a lightness to it that was really nice. Yeah. Um, like it's set up to be become more serious as as the maybe story goes on kind of kind of yeah but like the it was really like uh a happy fun entertaining story to read uh, i really like grover um there's a part where they come across these like abused animals in the back of a truck as their that's like their transportation and uh so they set them free of course and grover gives them this like blessing of the wild and that ensures they'll be safe and 
find their way back home mm-hmm. or find a, a new safe home. Uh, I really like how he like hid in the school with Percy. Yeah. Um, I like that character. And yeah. he got bullied, but he was like still <laughs> there for Percy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, he's like a, a fully grown adult. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. He's actually like 20 years old or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he could have like, you know, put a stop to all that at any time, but he's just like this sweet, sweet, nice, fun character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what was, what was your rating? I think for this specific book, I gave it a 3.5. Um, not, that sounds like worse than I thought. I, like, I think if I was 13, I would give it a five stars. Um, but just like being who I am now, it just didn't feel like it brought anything new to the table. But I, you haven't read the rest of the series. I have. And it is really good. It gets much better than this book. This book is a good setup for the whole series. But like I the last two books specifically, the fourth and the fifth book, were so good. I like those books were five out of five stars. They were really great. And so I think if I had to rate the series as a whole, I would give it four stars. Mm. Because the first few books are good, but they're kind of generic. But then the last two books are just like, just amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like you said, this is a book I wish I picked up in like middle school. Because mm-hmm. um, like Greek, I've always really loved Greek mythology. Yeah, well, a lot you of would mythology. have loved this. I really love like Norse and Egyptian mythology too. I just find those like so, so interesting and fascinating. I love the stories. Like my uh, favorite video games for a while was the God of War series. Yeah. Um... Why didn't you pick these up? I honestly hadn't heard about it until like a couple years ago. Really? Yeah, I'd never heard about them. I feel I'd like, like everyone talked about these in I'd, middle school. I'd like seen, I remember seeing the books before and mm. I was just like, yeah, I'll read Redwall or <laughs> or The Hobbit again. or um, And then in high school I picked up Game of Thrones and that was everything I read for two years because <laughs> those books are huge. But anyway, I just, it just never... I didn't really know what they were, and I just never picked it up. I, like, I remember everyone talking about how good these were, and, like, we owned The Lightning Thief, the book, and someone must have read it. Maybe my sister read it, because it was totally beat up. I just recently donated it. (laughs) Um, But I, like, I knew it was about Greek mythology, and this is, like, such an unpopular opinion, but I just, I'm not really interested in mythology, I, I don't know why. I just don't think it's that interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought... I know it's important to know because it's such a... Like, it's really influenced our Western society. And so you see it pop up in popular culture as well as literature. And, you know, even in, like, the government, you see references to Greek myths. But I just... I don't know. I just don't mm. think it's that interesting to learn about. It's, like, just stories. I'd rather read other things, yeah. honestly. Uh-huh. And so... Um, when someone told me that it was about Greek myths, I was like, eh, that doesn't sound like something I would like. So I avoided it. Mm-hmm. But I really, I'm so dumb. I should have picked them up. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved them. I know I would have. I'm so happy that I read them all now, at least. I think you need to finish the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Mythology is like one of my favorite favorite subjects history and mythology are like my two hey that's what he taught oh wait no yeah he said he taught mythology every year uh-huh. when he yeah he actually said he got the idea Ryordan said this that he got the idea for the percy jackson series because he used to assign 
an essay to his students of make up a hero who's the son or daughter of whatever Greek god you want and make up a quest for them to do. Mm -hmm. And so he basically did that that essay written by books. Uh, Made his own essay. Uh, He's like, here's how it's really done, kids. uh, So I thought that was Uh cute. Um, I remember like Hercules was my favorite Disney movie for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Hercules was? Hercules scared mm-hmm. me. <laughs> really? Oh, it was so good. Wasn't it like the Hydra where they, he chopped off all their heads and yeah. they kept growing back? That was <laughs> scary. There's like a minute montage of him coming off heads and they keep growing back. Anyway. Maybe that's why I didn't like mythology because mm-hmm. Hercules scared me. Um, but yeah, Rick Riordan, just judging from his website, seems like a really nice person. He has mm-hmm. like all this advice to new writers and... Um, all of his books are up here, so if you're bored, (laughs) go on his website and just peruse around and, um, see what's, what he's been up to. He also has a really active Twitter, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm really happy that I read these. I'm really sad that I can't read them again for the first time, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's written, um. Uh, another series, uh, Magnus with Magnus Chase, it looks like, which is with uh, Asgard and the Norse gods, and that's one I, I'd like to get to. Yeah, I wonder if that has any connection to Percy. I think it does. It's in the same universe, so the pantheons sort of cross, I know. Yeah, but aren't the Norse gods, like... They're over in, you know, Europe, I think. I didn't look into it a ton, because I didn't want to, like, Spoilers. spoil it, because I really like Norse mythology, like... I think that's a very typical like guy thing to say. Is North mythology is like the coolest one because of the Vikings. Yeah, because the you know the Vikings not like um, Neil Gaiman, who's like my favorite author, rewrote the Norse myths mm-hmm. for a modern audience. And like, if you need a good audiobook, that's a fantastic one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I really want to get to that one, so I'll have to read through these. Yeah, but is that everything we need to catch oh oh my gosh i almost forgot we need to say the book of the month for october even though Uh. the first week of october is over but we decided okay so we went back and forth we wanted to do something like spooky because Mm -hmm. it's october and i kind of wanted to do imaginary friend by stephen chbosky it came out this month but that book is like twenty dollars and i'm poor this month (laughs) so we can't do that book and also it's gotten some mixed reviews so i'm gonna wait till maybe the paperback comes out and it's a Mm. bit cheaper but we decided to pick from our collection (laughs) of books we already own but haven't read yet and so we decided on a book called the whisper man by alex north And yeah, so that's what we're doing. It's gotten pretty good reviews on Goodreads. Actually, I know, like literally know nothing about it. I haven't heard anyone talk about it, mm-hmm. but it sounds kind of scary. So yeah. <laughs> read this little bit. Oh yeah, it says on the inside flap: If you leave a door half open, soon you'll hear the whisper spoken. If you're lonely, sad, and blue, the whisper man will come for you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really creepy. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to read that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so read that if you want and Uh come listen at the end of October. Our podcast should be uploaded by the 31st this Mm -hmm. time, not in November. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. hope to see anyone who's listening again, or I Uh guess not see, but Something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, yeah, we will talk to you again in October. All right, bye. Bye.